Chapter Twenty Five of Red Diamonds by Justin McCarthy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Twenty Five. Fencing again. Yet a few days, and Gerald Aspen was out of danger. Yet a few days more, and he would be well enough to see his friends fidelia's mind which at first had centred all its attention on him had now some freedom to think over her own perplexed condition at the first news of the attempt made on his life she had the addition to her own miseries of thinking that the calamity was a judgment upon her because she had persisted in putting off his love merely in the vain purpose of finding out all about her father's death which now she bitterly regretted having troubled herself to find out the whole framework of existence seemed out of gear for her nothing was certain but uncertainty itself she was forced to lead a life of deception with the man she loved most on earth with the woman she loved most on earth she could not betray rupert granton's secret to gerald aspen she little knew that gerald felt he could not betray it to her and of course that secret must be for ever locked away from lady scardale she had to put on an appearance of unconcerned and familiar friendliness with granton lest lady scardale should suspect that anything was wrong she knew granton's sole purpose in remaining yet in london and she dreaded every day some new discovery some new catastrophe she dreaded too the day when granton having made his discovery would go his outer way and leave lady scardale for ever she felt strange uneasy doubts about bostock she dreaded to think of him and gerald aspen being together and being friends yet she did not know how she could put gerald on his guard against him without suggesting suspicions which she had apparently no right to feel she felt very much like one who has suddenly come into a world of magic where strange transformations are often taking place and where the laws of cause and effect are different altogether from those understood in our planet and where reasoning merely from our sort of knowledge you can never tell what may happen she sometimes began to think that unless she found some one to whom she could unburthen her whole mind the burthen would begin to be too great for the mind and would overwhelm it it is bad to have to feel like that that way she sometimes thought to herself madness lies if there was any one who knew all that she knew any one whatever it would not be so hard with her the other day fidelia was forced to be reticent with lady scardale because she was timid about the telling of her love for gerald and gerald's love for her and their curiously qualified engagement 
now that was all confessed and known and yet the reticence the suppression had to be exercised still lady scardale must never know what she knew in other words she must always keep at least one secret from her patroness and her friend it is hard on us fidelia said we want to be honest and frank and to have no secrets from those we love and things will not let us be what we want to be again there was growing up in her mind this strange feeling about bostock this curious suspicion founded on she knew not what could she give any hint of that to lady scardale surely not surely she had no right and could have no right to interfere with the future of a hard-working young man on a vague unmeaning suspicion what in fact was the suspicion she could not tell she could not put it into definite words there was his sudden avowal of love to her there were his threats and she had not forgotten the fencing scene and the surprise and distrust expressed by rupert granton ought she to talk to granton and tell him of her grave suspectings oh no she could make no confidant of the man who had killed her father let there be peace between them she now knew well enough that her father had not been murdered but between her father's daughter and the man who even in fair fight had killed her father there must for ever be a wall of brass when gerald was quite well when he was quite quite well she would tell him of course and if he should think her alarms absurd well then of course she might take it that they were absurd but in the meantime as hamlet says break my heart for i must hold my tongue she was glad one afternoon when sitting with lady scardale in the fencing saloon before the lesson began she heard the announcement of a visit from captain raven dearly as fidelia loved lady scardale she was glad now to have a chance of not being left too much alone with her captain raven entered superb in a summery suit of grey with buttoned boots whereof the upper part was grey and the tops were shiny kid captain raven was a man made to wear good clothes they became him and he set them off to advantage he always amused lady scardale she would not have liked a son or a brother to be just such a man but she made allowance for raven as she knew him to be a gentleman at heart and by nature and she put up with his emptiness and what she considered his frivolity just been to see aspen poor chap raven said he's getting along all right soon will be out they tell me yes i am delighted lady scardale said you are delighted miss locke ain't you oh yes captain raven i am delighted raven had not the faintest notion of any engagement between aspen and fidelia he only put the question because he liked talking and loved to talk to every one all around and would really almost as soon talk to elderly women 
as to pretty girls. "'Hullo, Bostock,' he said. "'How are you?' For the professor had now entered the hall, apparently about to begin practising with some of his pupils. He had to join the group and take Raven's outstretched hand. Bostock seemed always as eager to abstain from talking as Raven was to talk. "'You did that pluckily the other night, Bostock, that little job, eh? Didn't he, Lady Scardale? Didn't he, Miss Locke?' "'What little job, Captain Raven?' Bostock asked, with solemn voice and with all unconscious eyes. "'Why, of course, that little bit of business on the embankment. Good man! Capital thing it was for Aspen that you happened to be there just in the nick of time.' i didn't happen to be there i followed aspen on purpose because i thought he was in danger right you are we all owe mr bostock such a debt of gratitude lady scardale said warmly she was glad that the poor drudge of the college fencing school should turn out a hero and have praise but i say bostock the irrepressible raven continued i should have thought you would hold on to that red-bearded chap gad i think if i were you i should have stuck to him like grim death to an expiring nigger as they used to say in america long ago he stabbed me in the arm or i should have tried to hold on bostock said and he was a stronger man than i am well with such biceps anyhow he has got off and there's no use in talking about it but he will be taken of course lady scardale said with confidence the police will find him oh the police raven said in unutterable scorn why don't they get jack the ripper why don't they get any one i gave them all the help i could bostock said so you did good man again but say wasn't it funny you're turning up with him each time third time you'll get him see if you don't lady scardale i bet anything our friend bostock grabs that red-bearded chap the very next attempt what next attempt fidelia asked in some trepidation there's sure to be a next attempt you know this is some fellow who has an eye to killing off all the heirs he can before the first of january dare say i shall be next and raven laughed a jolly laugh as if nothing could be more amusing and delightful than the prospect of soon having a murderer attempting one's life oh captain raven fidelia said in alarmed remonstrance yes but you see it would all be in due course first there's and then he stopped a little confused for he remembered about fidelia's father first there's old seth chickering and then there's gerald aspen and i should fancy i ought to be the next man for i don't suppose the fellow will be ungentlemanly enough to go for you miss locke oh i don't believe all that theory lady scardale interposed i can't believe in such a scheme in such unspeakable wickedness what is your theory lady scardale what is your theory 
i haven't any theory but i don't believe it was the same man and i don't believe in any plot well but look here here's our friend bostock who saw the same man each time you did bostock eh i saw the same man each time bostock said slowly but you did not see him engaged in any murderous work the first time lady scardale asked no but he was on the ground not far from the scene of the murder and he was trying to escape at least he was running somewhere lady scardale observed lady scardale had no particular mission to defend the red-bearded man she was only concerned to make out that there was no deliberate plot to commit a series of murders for that she thought would be crime too bad for even poor fallen humanity to descend to oh by jove i fancy we may take it he was trying to escape red gundy saw him too and told much the same story as our friend bostock who really is red gundy lady scardale asked fidelia felt the colour rising to her cheeks and she had an uneasy consciousness that bostock was watching her closely oh well red gundy raven said was one of the chaps who were out in the mines you know he was a great pal of my poor brother's indeed lady scardale said with kindling curiosity you know something about him then very little lady scardale except that he was a chum of my brother's saw him here time of the murder and the inquest nice sort of fellow i thought plenty of talk plenty of pluck wasn't he suspected at the time of having some share in the murder lady scardale asked he was indeed bostock said earnestly very much suspected oh but come that's all nonsense you know raven said my brother wasn't a very clever fellow but you may bet anything you like that he never took up with any chap who was capable of committing or planning a murder no no i'll answer for poor old percy and for his sake i'll answer for red gundy too we don't chum on with cut-throats as a rule we ravens where is red gundy now bostock asked murdered as like as not raven answered coolly by your red-headed friend dropped into a river somewhere into the thames very likely i hope he isn't for if he is disposed of i shall be the next one to go for i think it's too bad lady scardale to be so desperately hard up for years and then to come on the very brink of a fortune and suddenly to be knocked on the head before one has the chance of enjoying it hang it all if the red-headed boogeyman would only give me a year's fling with the money i should not mind so much you don't really believe in all that captain raven lady scardale asked fidelia was listening with the most intense interest she felt she could not tell why as if the most careless words spoken in that talk might light her soul along the way to some explanation of the terrible mystery that seemed to be darkening around her and some of those whom she loved well you know it all looks very like it 
raven replied just let's see if there won't be another attempt on poor aspen soon as he gets well poor chap fidelia almost betrayed herself by her start had very nearly betrayed herself by a scream please captain raven don't talk like that lady scardale pleaded very well lady scardale then perhaps the next attack will be on me well it won't be quite an easy job i shall be on the lookout and if i only get that red-haired man within my grip hanged if i don't see whether the red beard won't come off fidelia glanced at bostock was it her fancy or did the eyes usually so unexpressive suddenly emit one gleam of what thomas carlyle had called hell-fire you think the red beard is a disguise then lady scardale asked i don't know that occurred to me among other things what i should like to know is where is the chap called japhet bland the one heir who hasn't turned up at all again fidelia turned her eyes quietly and cautiously on professor bostock he was just then trying the balance of a foil with the manner of one who has withdrawn from the conversation she determined on the spur of the moment to drag him into the conversation again professor bostock she said you know more about all this than any of us pardon me he answered i have never been in south africa no i meant about these murders and attempts at murder here in london you have a theory about this missing japhet bland i read something in the papers about it i have a theory he said composedly i have formed it probably with very little to go on almost nothing i may say but still i have a theory do you think this man red gundy is dead again she studied his face no i don't believe he is dead and mr bland what about him do you think he is dead no i think not i fancy he will appear in good time but why should he have kept in the background so long it seems unmeaning how can one tell miss locke he may have some good motive yes i have read in the papers that you have a theory about his acting the part of a kind of watching providence or guardian angel but if so has he not been a little late in his guardian angelship who can tell bostock gloomily answered perhaps he believes that the worst attempt is yet to be made and that he sees the way to foil it how very romantic have you any reason for forming this odd theory mr bostock none no none whatever except the facts and conditions we all know the man must have some motive for not coming forward to claim his just rights it would seem only probable that he has a good motive perhaps the chap is away in south africa raven suggested no bostock answered at least seth chickering and the man who called himself red gundy did not seem to think so 
man who called himself red gundy have you any reason to think that his name was not red gundy then indeed fidelia's eyes rested eagerly for a moment on the face of bostock and for a moment after on the face of lady scardale i have no reason bostock said slowly but it's an odd sort of name and men in those places don't always or often call themselves by their own name in those places mr bostock fidelia asked what places those far-off places do people always call themselves by their own names in places nearer home her eyes met his and bore in perfect composure his look of doubt distrust and wonder no i suppose not he answered deliberately i presume false or faint names are common everywhere where people have something to conceal naturally i suppose so where people have something to conceal something bad not necessarily bad surely a man might want to conceal some great and good purpose until the right time came until the right time came bostock repeated the words as he looked fixedly inquiringly into the girl's eyes and tell no one of it yes and tell no one of it for the time fidelia and professor bostock had had many a bout of fencing together openly and before the public now they were having a bout of fencing concerning which the lookers-on knew nothing but each of the fences understood the game at least each quite understood that there was a trial of skill going on bostock did not know what it might be of which fidelia suspected him but he knew beyond doubt that she suspected him of something and he knew that a single wrong movement on his part might convert her suspicion into conviction fidelia did not really know what solid grounds she had for her suspicions but it was more and more borne in upon her that the suspicions were a guiding light to a momentous discovery she therefore watched every glimpse of bostock's eye as she would have done if she were engaged in an ordinary fencing match with him meanwhile lady scardale and captain raven sat and listened utterly unconscious that anything in particular was going on fidelia was gratified by their evident unconsciousness i want to fight out this wager of battle for myself she thought i have gone into it uncounselled and unaided i mean to go through with it uncounselled and unaided too for a moment however she thought there had been fencing enough it would never do to call the attention of the outer world to the game which had yet to be played out between these two suppose she should be quite wrong suppose bostock should be simply what he professed to be a clever teacher of fencing at a girls school yes but he had told her that he was not that 
he had made love to her and asked her to marry him and implied to say the least of it that he was not seeking her because she was to have money that he could bring her more money than she could bring to him now on the assumption he was not an actual madman and she could see no reason for thinking him mad these assertions warranted her in looking out for some explanation which should give the reason why professor bostock kept quiet and lay low she also wanted to know why professor bostock who was in all the intercourse of daily life a very pattern of propriety should have threatened her or those she cared for with disastrous consequences if she were to refuse to listen to his appeal out of all this fidelia could form but one theory and that was that professor bostock was japhet bland that theory was much enforced by the fact that bostock himself had announced his belief that japhet bland was keeping in the background in order to carry out some benevolent purpose now by her skill of fence she had just induced him to develop this idea still further and to explain that he thought japhet bland was keeping back in order to be able to counteract at the right moment some scheme more terrible than any that had yet been attempted just so she thought contemptuously some scheme against me the only woman in the business some scheme to carry her off to kill her perhaps which he bland was to prevent at the nick of time and so earn her gratitude beyond that degree of suspicion fidelia did not get no darker thoughts in connection with the possible japhet bland had yet arisen in her mind yes she said dreamily one can understand this man having a beneficent purpose in keeping back but of course i don't know anything about him nor do you either mr bostock we have all read that his father was murdered bostock said gloomily he might want to convict the murderers ah but that was not the kind of purpose you were supposing it might be one purpose a lesser purpose but about the other purpose would he not tell the object of that purpose what he really meant to do she gave an encouraging look to professor bostock i should think he would like to tell her bostock said after a moment's silence fidelia's eyes flashed with triumph her to tell her who had spoken of a woman i don't quite know what you are talking about lady scardale said nor i by jove raven added you have gone clean ahead of me you are inventing all sorts of theories and explanations about a man whom neither of you ever saw in all your lives professor bostock and i have the rare gift of imagination fidelia said by jove and so you have was raven's comment why you have been talking on as if this confounded japhet bland or whatever his beastly name is was the earlier friend of both of you is there really such a man at all 
lady scardale asked incredulously oh yes fidelia answered with confidence and she allowed her eyes again to rest upon bostock but fidelia my dear how do you know one gets to know things fidelia answered composedly and then you remember mr aspen told us that seth chickering believed in the existence of this jaffet bland and that mr red gundy believed in it i don't think i feel much interest in mr jaffet bland said raven with a laugh he can't cut down our share of the money very much miss locke even if he should turn up at the right time there's enough for him and for us too but i am a good deal interested in the man with the red beard i may perhaps have a tussle with him one of these dark nights do you believe in the red-bearded man mr bostock fidelia said why surely he said i have seen the man more than once and no i did not mean that do you believe he is really what he appears to be or that as captain raven suggests the beard would come off if a strong man took hold of it i cannot tell bostock said sullenly i have had no means of knowing the man always seemed most anxious to disappear well fidelia said resignedly i suppose we shall know all about it some time we must wait we can wait bostock said by jove we've got to was the comment of captain raven then fidelia said suddenly mr bostock are you inclined to try about with the foils i don't suppose we can do much good by speculating on mr jaffet bland and the man with the red beard just now i shall be only too delighted bostock said and a light gleamed in his eyes as he prepared for the encounter End of chapter 25